We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. time of the year but the pacers we're not dead because it's setting the pace we bring the goods Fachi, and tell the people who we're bringing on today chad buchanan is back and i'm telling you guys we got a lot to talk about and i think you guys are going to enjoy this one absolutely so to make it easier for us and for you guys and to not lose track of maybe some of the stuff chad said we're going to be releasing this conversation over three episodes we just we just did a three episode series but we're going to release these you know day by day instead of all three at once so in the first segment here or the first episode you're going to be listening to we're going to talk all things nba draft and we really get an idea and see how things all played out with the very beginning of the stuff making trades before the draft started you know trying to get back up there for cam whitmore jaris walker taking him ben shepherd there's a lot of good stuff in here and i thought fachi he, he raved about your guy a little bit, Oscar Shibway. He did, and you knew I lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> I could not let that opportunity go without telling him how much I love that signing and how I think it's going to pay off. But, man, I mean, Chad wasn't holding back. He was able to really dive into He didn't do the, the front office deflections that you hear from yeah. some other teams. Chad went in-depth on a lot of different scenarios, draft scenarios, and – Actually, you didn't even touch on some of the other episodes that we got coming up of discussions that we had in this chat really covered it all. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of preview what's going to be done on this episode. So that way people know it's all about the draft. And we do talk a little bit about cash considerations and how they can use that. So I thought that was good clarity from him as well. But let's go ahead and take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and we'll have Chad Buchanan on talking about all things NBA draft right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joining us now on Setting the Pace. It is the second time in the three months, I'd say, so that's pretty special. We got the Pacers general manager, Chad Buchanan, uh, back on Setting the Pace. Chad, thanks so much for rejoining us. Good to be with you guys again. Yeah, I just got to say, I guess the first experience wasn't so bad, so he wasn't afraid, and we didn't ask too many tough questions, but maybe after this go-around, Chad will be like, okay, I need a break from getting you know questioned by these guys. But uh, I want to start things off because the draft, we talked before the draft, and so there's been a lot that's happened since then. So you know, before the draft was where I want to start. You guys made some trades involving draft picks. You traded 29 and 32 for the 40th pick and a first-rounder next season. And then you moved 40 for 47 in cash. I'm just kind of curious. What was the reasoning behind all those deals before the draft started? Well, obviously, we had only so many roster spots, you know, to work with heading into draft night. And we had more picks than roster spots. So that was a very broad answer to that, you know, why we were pretty active in trying to move some picks around. We didn't, you know, we the idea of having three first-round picks was great. It created a lot of, you know, calls and activity and interest around the league. And, you know, having that ability to have multiple picks in any draft gives you a lot of tools to work with. And if if we could move one of those into the future and have a similar situation a year now, a year from now or two years from now, I think that was the idea. That's why we ended up doing the deal with Denver and getting a future pick in next year's draft. And gives us two bullets to use next next summer. And, you know, moving around, um, you know, moving down in the draft, you know, we had enough guys on our, on our board, we felt moving down seven spots, picking up, you know, some resources that, you know, for a market like us, a team like us can be valuable. Um, we decided to do that. 
And, you know, at the end of the day, we ended up, you know, the most important pick at the end of the night was your first pick. That's yeah. where, you know, you gotta, you gotta make the right selection there because that's usually the guy that's going to have the most impact on your team. Now you can pick guys later in the draft. Obviously we see examples of that, but you know, the, the odds are going to tell you the higher you pick, the more important that pick becomes. So we want to make sure that that pick was where we spent, you know, the majority of our time and energy on. And we feel good about Jairus and hopeful for his future with us. And speaking of Jairus and pick seven, I mean, look, Chad, I've always been a checkers guy, but you guys were on a full display of chess. I mean, at pick seven, you trade the pick to Washington, move back one spot to eight. You also pick up two second rounders. I mean, yeah, two second rounders in the future. Did you have multiple offers on the table for pick seven? And what made that deal with Washington the best offer available? Yeah, I think there was a lot of interest in pick seven. I think there were teams that were chasing players. Some teams were chasing one player. Some were chasing different players. So we had to calculate, you know, how far are we willing to move back, if we're willing to move back at all. And if we do move back, are the chances of that team moving into our spot, taking our guy? And so we had to do a lot of research on that and figure out how, how far are we comfortable moving down and, you know, what are we willing to give up, you know, and, and take on, I guess you could say, in this, in this case, getting a couple second round picks to move back. And we felt comfortable that we were still going to get the player we had targeted by moving back. But it was only one spot that we felt was the most comfortable move for us. And uh, at the end of the day, we ended up getting the player we wanted. Washington got the player they wanted. And, you know, both teams, you know, feel good about draft night. I will say for shock value purposes, making that trade and then having ESPN announce that the pick was Bilal Koulibaly, that was great podcast content for us <laughs> because we were watching it live and reacting live and completely stunned when that was the the pick that came in. We're like, we didn't even think Bilal Koulibaly was going to be in that range. And then the fact that we took him, we're like, what in the world? Uh, so yeah, that was pretty uh, pretty savvy there. But before we talk about Jairus, I kind of have two questions here. I wanted you to follow up on uh, the first question I asked you about, you talked about getting cash from the Lakers in that trade with them to move back. I, I want to know a little bit more about what cash considerations are and how they work. And then I also want you to, after that, just kind of talk about Jairus overall, taking him eighth. Was he your guy all along? And what do you love about his game that, you know, made you guys so enticed to take him there at eight? Sure. Well, every fiscal year, teams are allowed to take in a certain amount of dollars and give out a certain amount of dollars um, in any sort of trade. So, uh, when the Lakers approached us about, you know, interest in that pick once we acquired it, um, you know, initially they had offered a certain amount of money. And, you know, we know what that type of money can do in the draft. It can also help your just organization in other ways. Um, and so when, you know, the offer got up to be, you know, such a significant number, <clears throat> something that we had to think hard about doing. And um, ultimately we decided, you know, that, hey, this is going to help us in some other ways. We're not getting completely out of the draft. We're only moving down seven spots. Um, we just felt like, you know, the cash considerations, how they announce it is obviously, you know, the average fan probably doesn't know what does that mean? How does that help a team? You know, what does that do for, you know, your roster, things like that. So and we factor all that in. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the, the offer was something that we felt was beneficial to us in a lot of ways that we can use those, you know, resources to help our team and, some stuff that the average fan's probably not going to know, and you're never going to see it, but our players will feel it, our staff will feel it, and ultimately it helps your organization in ways that it's hard to hard for the average fan to, on the outside looking in to understand and, and feel. So um, so that was the reason why we did that move. Um, you know, Jairus in particular, 
obviously when we looked at our team last year, one of our weaknesses was our was our defense. And for us to be a playoff caliber team, that's a where we really have to make the most strides. So going into the draft, going into the offseason, free agency, uh, the trade market, that was a real emphasis for us is how can we improve as a defensive, you know, as a team defensively. And, you know, in the draft, we felt there were a couple of guys that could help help with that. Um, and Jarris was one of those that, towards the top of the list. You know, his versatility, you know, being able to guard, you know, different guys, different size guys, different levels of skill level guys, different, you know, strength of, of guys. He's just got a lot of, you know, you know, versatility to guard multiple different types of players. And we just didn't have that profile player on our roster. You know, Aaron Neesmith, you know, did a good job for us there. He's just a little undersized to play against a lot of the, the bigger fours that we have to try and defend every night in our league. And Jarris gives, you know, some exceptional length, exceptional strength. Um, and he's just got a knack for making things happen on the defensive end. Now, he's, he's got a lot of learning. There's a learning curve in front of him, like all rookies are going to go through. And there's going to be nights where you're going to think that he's one of your worst defenders, <laughs> you know, on the team. And because he's going to gamble and <clears throat> he's going to get lost. And guys are going to move without the ball and expose some of that. But he's a smart player. He's a cerebral player. And he's going to learn on the fly with us. And we, the, the defensive potential for him was really attractive to us. And he's a guy who doesn't need the ball to be effective. Um, you know, he can really pass. Like I said, he's, he's a really high IQ player, which our coaches really value. And in our system, that's important, you know, because we want the ball to move. We want guys cutting, want to play with pace. And the more guys that you have that can make a play with the ball, the harder you are to defend and you add in the defense and that part of the offense. And he, he just felt like a, a really good fit for our team. What I love is when you were last on our show, the end of May, you described what you're looking for in the draft and your description fit Jarris Walker and to end up with Jarris Walker. I think just so spot on that you guys knew what you were looking for. You went out and you properly addressed it and his defensive intangibles and IQ, I just feel like it's something that, either kind of have it or you don't. And I think that a player like Jarris is going to be an amazing addition to the Pacers. But one thing that you also discussed on the radio a while back is the team was very aggressive, trying to trade up in the first round to select Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore ends up going on to be summer league MVP, looked awesome, but obviously slid down to 20. Why do you think these teams were unwilling to move their picks before he was selected at 20 by Houston? I think you get into the draft, and at that point you've spent, you know, six months, you know, targeting guys that you really like, that you have interest in that fit your team. And you get closer to the draft, you get into the process of getting to know these players. They're coming through your building. Your coaches are getting their eyes on them, getting their chance to work with them. You're interviewing them. And you really develop an attachment to one guy or maybe it's two guys. And then in the moment of the draft, you, you build up all this momentum with, you know, your staff, your coach, your owner, and you're like, okay, we're going to get one of these guys that we've been targeting and spend all this time on. And in the moment you get a phone call and you know, I've experienced this with other teams I've been with you in that moment, you've become attached to a player that you think you're going to be able to draft or a couple of players that you think you have a very good chance of drafting. And when that phone call comes to, to trade away that pick and you're giving up this potential player that you, like I said, you developed this attachment to, or, desire to add to your team and you're giving that away in the moment, that's hard for, for some teams to, to just turn the page after you've gotten that far down the road with a player. So I think that's a big part of why teams are reluctant to trade a pick during the draft 
because they've gotten so far down the road with a player that they're excited to draft and to, to walk away from it at the very, very last, the one yard line is tough for teams to do. And I, I, I can understand that. So that's why it's hard to get into the draft as it's happening. Um, and I'm sure there are other teams that were chasing players like we were too. And so you got teams that are fielding multiple offers, you know, and that's the draft is so hard to, to explain the frenzy of draft night. And like you were talking about, you know, they're announcing us drafting Bilal Koulibaly. <clears throat> I didn't even see our selection as it's happening because you're, I'm on the phone, you know, Kevin and Kelly and Ted and I are, are talking with other teams. We're talking with agents. We're talking with our owner. We're talking with our coach. And the draft is happening while you're, it's just this other thing going on <laughs> during the night. It sounds crazy to say, but that's the reality is the draft is happening, but you're, you're in a whole different world as it's happening. And, Sometimes you're making phone calls and you're like, what, what pick are we at? Like, what, where are we at in the draft? Like, you don't know who's just selected and you just know where you're at and where you're trying to get to and the player you're trying to get. And can you get to that, that player? So um, it's such a frenzy of the, of the moment. You get so attached to a player that sometimes it's hard to, like I said, to walk away at the last moment. Yeah. And I want to follow up on that real quick before I ask the next question, because I'm, I'm curious, do you think that the NBA could potentially – make the, the draft experience a, maybe a two-day thing where the picks, it's longer than a five-minute window there for when you make your pick. And we see with the NFL, I think it's like 15 minutes or something like that per pick. And I don't know if you need that long, but it still would allow more times for trades to happen and kind of develop and have those conversations while the draft is going on. And then maybe push the second round into another day so it feels like everything is not just crammed in like a five-hour time frame i'm just curious your thoughts on that real quick we that's something we've talked about for a long long time internally and yeah. you know going multiple nights you know there's a lot of you know good reasons to do that i think you see the nfl has a lot of success with that just the product is out in front of you know the world for multiple nights on you know tv but from an internal operational standpoint having more time in between picks is very beneficial, you know, for, for the first round, five minutes is probably okay. But, you know, I know this, the draft started at eight o'clock Eastern time this year. Yeah. And the last pick is probably sometimes it's after midnight. So how, are you losing viewers as the night goes on? It gets later and later. And, um, you know, having it multiple nights, I think there's a lot of, you know, good reasons to do that. And the second round, especially you only got, you know, just a couple of minutes in between picks and, you're trying to move around. There's much more action of picks moving around in the second round than there's in the first round. And sometimes you, you're trying to acquire a pick 38, and at the start of the night, the Detroit Pistons are pick 38, and you're calling them at pick 35 trying to acquire it, and they'll say, oh, we just traded that pick to Atlanta. So you call Atlanta, and Atlanta says, oh, we traded that pick to Charlotte. But before you know it, the pick's already taken. You're, you're, it's so much, you know, as action is taking place, you don't know who exactly has each pick because they get moved around so much in the, in the moment. And I think also there's benefits of each player has its own little story. And the, sometimes the second round players, you know, their story just kind of gets pushed to the side because they're just, they're coming so fast and, mm -hmm. you know, they're still talking about the first round and it's, it, it diminishes their moment a little bit. So having it multiple nights, I think is a, you know, there's a lot of advantages to doing that and, you know, who knows what will happen in the future. Maybe they consider doing that moving forward, but I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I would I would love to see them do that, and I think there could be even three rounds eventually once we get more talent because the league just keeps getting fuller and fuller with talent. 
and we know expansions potentially on the way as well. So, um, but you know, you traded away two picks at 29 and 32, but you kept pick 26. You take Ben Shepard at 26, you know, someone that was a late riser on big boards. What was it about Shepard's game that made it important to hang on to pick 26 instead of moving it? And was it true the pace had been high on him for years? Yeah, we've liked Ben for a little while now. And I think once Coach Carlisle came on board, you know, you, as a scouting staff, you can like a player for your own individual reasons, but it may not fit your system that your coach is playing and employing. So kind of marrying up those two thoughts is important for us. And I think that's what initially attracted our scouts to Ben was his ability to play without the ball, his movement, his shooting, um, his just overall activity level was was the way that Rick and his staff like to play offensively, especially is, you know, we're not, we're trying not to be an isolation type team where there's a lot of ball movement, a lot of player movement. Um, the ball is swinging up and down the court. It's swinging side to side. Guys are cutting, guys are screening. And that's how Ben thrives. That's, that's his game. And so I think that's what initially drew our scouts to Ben. And um, the more you watch him, the more his development happened from year to year. And ultimately he had a very good combine, which was good for him. But at that point, we we kind of knew that this guy would be a, a pretty seamless fit with how Coach Carl likes to to run things. And um, he had a great workout for us. He really impressed us with his interview, his personality. Is you know he's he's a he's kind of an underdog. And mm-hmm. I think those are the guys who you, know, you pick them later in the first round or in the second round. Guys who've had to kind of grind their way to get to a certain spot, and they weren't you know handed anything. You know those are the guys that are going to work and they're going to continue to work and. That's Ben, and I think that's, you know, why I think he's going to be a good fit with us. I just love how eager both players were to get to work right after being drafted. So, you know, to back up your point right over there, I think the Pacers got two great players on the court, but also off the court. But another thing that you had, you know, mentioned before, but in the the second round, there was speculation that maybe Indiana Hoosier, Trace Jackson Davis sliding in the draft that you guys could select him at 47 or 55. You referenced this in a, in a radio interview that it didn't work out because it felt like Trace wanted a guaranteed roster spot instead of a two-way deal. Instead, you end up selecting Javi King and Isaiah Wong. What was it about these two players that maybe made them the right picks for you guys, and why have King be a draft and stash? Yeah, first off with Trace, obviously, terrific player, terrific human being, big fans of his game. Um, obviously there's a lot of, you know, ties to, to Indiana and, you know, it's something we looked very hard into. There's a lot of communication with his agent, um, you know, trying to find sometimes both parties have got to be on the same page and you, they both got to want the same thing. Sometimes you don't want to start, start a relationship off in a, in a bad way. That's kind of doomed from the very beginning. Um, so we, you know, we were respectful of, you know, his agent's wishes and, um, we want the best for him. He's going to be a great player in Golden State, and I think he's going to have a tremendous NBA career. And um, but it's also he he's, he looks at our roster and saw you know is there a great opportunity there for for him for us? And you know he's probably sees you know the depth we have at the center position. But like hey, that's probably not the best situation for me. Which I understand that, and no you know no disrespect to the Pacers, and you, you got as a player you got to look for what's best for you and. We totally understood that and respected that. So, um, you know, we end up turning in a, in a different direction. And uh, Mojave is, uh, you know, like a, you go back to the roster spot situation. We were in a crunch there. So we had to to find the best candidate that was willing to, you know, 
to develop, continue to develop elsewhere, whether that's overseas or the G League, wherever, we, wherever it ends up being, we had to have, you know, that profile of person. Um, at pick 47, it's, you know, sometimes hard to, to get somebody to accept that. So we had to do a lot of research on who's willing to do that. And um, we liked Mojave and he's a young wing and um, liked where he was kind of started to develop as the G League season went on. So, um, you know, he's going to be, you know, wh whether he ends up, you know, where he ends up this season, we don't know yet. We're still working on that, hoping, you know, the agent and our, and our staff are working on that together. And um, But we'd like to see him develop. And, and, you know, obviously he won't be with the Pacers this year, but I'm excited to see where he goes in the next year or two. And we can evaluate his development that way. Yeah, and as we kind of tie up our conversation here about the draft, um, you know, one thing I was curious about, you did bring on Oscar Shibway on that other two-way deal what do you like about Oscar and what he brings to the table? And I guess any other comments you have on the draft before we move on to a, uh, the next part of our, uh, our conversation here. I mean, Oscar's he's hard to not smile when you're around the guy. I mean, you bring up his name. I just simply smile because <laughs> he, just, he just lights up the room. He's got a, a great way about him. He's very people friendly, very people oriented, a pleaser, and, you know, we had obviously, how can you not respect what he did at Kentucky? I mean, he's gobbled up rebounds as well as anybody in the country and physical presence. And he got better from his time at West Virginia to each year, you know, as he progressed, uh, we finished up at Kentucky. And, you know, he was a guy we, we jumped on right the second we saw he wasn't the 60th or 58th pick this year. We were on the horn trying to get him, you know, to commit to come to us and, it was funny when he, he called us, he had plenty of offers. When he called us, he said, I'm the first thing he said was, I'm ready to come eat rebounds for you guys. Um, so okay. he's, that's something that our team and, you know, teams in the NBA need. You need guys who want to chase the ball and rebound and get you extra possessions. And he brings the physicality and, um, you know, excited to see how he can develop with us. Cause he's, you know, he's, he's a little undersized for an NBA center, but he's also, oversized with his strength and his ability to go get the ball too. Yo, Chad, I, I got to chime in on this. As a graduate of West Virginia, I followed Oscar through high school. And I, I loved this man. And I was heartbroken when he left to go to Kentucky. Seeing him work out for you guys, I started to, you know, come back a little bit. When you guys signed Oscar, I was 110% back on board to be like, that's it. It was meant to be. Like, I cannot wait to see him develop. I love that pickup. And I cannot wait for this coming year for Oscar to develop in the G League because, oh, man, he's going to work. And he has what you can't teach, and that is a man down low grabbing rebounds. And we saw it in, in Summer League. He was someone that was able to get to the free throw line, didn't miss a shot, was really good at, at what he did finishing in the paint. And I'm just really excited about what's in store for Oscar. Fantastic pickup, I guess. I think if you were to meet Oscar, it would be hard to not like him. And that's, I think so. Take the basketball part just as a guy. He's just a lovable, likable guy. And one thing I love about his game, too, before we close this out, is I, I just love that he understands his role and doesn't try to be somebody that he's not. And sometimes you have that problem with guys, especially young guys trying to prove themselves, Chad. But it just feels like Oscar, like you said, I'm going to come in here and get rebounds. That's exactly what you want to hear from a guy that's got experience in college and knows exactly who he is as a player. Yeah, I think that's important for a young player, whether it's a high school player going to college, a college player going to the pros. 
is you're being picked to that program or that team because you probably have one thing, at least one thing you do really well. And when you get to that new situation, focus on that to begin with. You know, that's your base of why you're there. And I think a mistake that young players can sometimes make is if, if I'm a great rebounder and I go to the next level, I think, okay, I've already can do that. Now I'm going to work on my three-point shooting and my ball handling. And you get away from what got you to where you're at. And I think Oscar, you're, I think you're spot on with that, Alex. He knows why he's where he's at right now. And I think he's going to continue to do that. And as he adds stuff to his game, as he gets older, that'll only make him more valuable to the teams in our league. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.